Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast hosted by Nadia Alfertassi, founder of Thrive with EQ. Join us as we explore the world of emotional intelligence and learn how to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence. With two decades of experience in the world's largest security organization, Nadia brings a unique perspective and invaluable insights to the table. Her mission is to help businesses break down silos, build bridges, and create a culture of emotional intelligence that fosters well-being of employees, builds strong leadership, and ultimately drives business success. By learning how to manage emotions, communicate effectively, and foster a positive work environment, you can improve productivity, reduce turnover, and build a team that's happy, healthy, and motivated. So whether you're looking to enhance your own emotional intelligence or create a culture of emotional intelligence within your organization, you're in the right place. Get ready to thrive with EQ. Welcome to another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast. Today we'll be looking at an anonymous challenge sent to me by a female chief information security officer in the financial services industry. So let's call her Victoria. And Victoria works as a CISO in a medium-sized bank and reports directly to the CEO and also has the opportunity to present to the board of directors. So anyone who can resonate with Victoria in this context, then you will surely want to tune in and listen to this episode where we're going to discuss the challenges when it comes to diversity, bias, stereotype beliefs, and her challenge specifically. So first, let me explain what the challenge is, Nadia, before you go into the analytics of it. Victoria's challenge is that every time she presents to the board of directors, she feels that she's not taken seriously, first. Second, she gets questions that in her view are irrelevant, to the data she's presenting, to the decisions she's seeking, and to the support she needs to build a solid cyber risk profile. And third, she always feels worse and doubts herself after the meeting. So these are three general outcomes. I'm sure there are more and that many women or even men in this position can resonate. So let's dive into it. Before we apply the EQ Elevator, I do want to give some general context when it comes to the role of the C Chief Information Security Officer, which will depend on the cultural culture of the organization, on the industry, on the sector, because different companies will have different reporting structures, which makes a huge difference because a lot of the times the CISOs have direct reporting lines to the CIO, sometimes chief technology officer, and not to the CEO. So there's still you know, there's this debate going on whether CISO should have a seat at the C-suite table and more decision power or more you know, elevated seats so they can be at the same level as the C-suite. Others are already reporting the CEO, in this case like Victoria. Some Organizations don't even have a dedicated chief information security officer. So the cybersecurity role is either within the CTO or CIO. It depends. 
So there's still a lot of ambiguity and it's not universally the same. And it's important to keep in mind because what we're going to discuss today is specifically in the context, if you are CISO in a small, medium-sized financial institution that reports directly to the CEO and has direct relationships with the board of directors. Because large financial institutions have, again, a different structure. So they may not resonate as much. With that said, let's go into it. Victoria, the first floor we're going to take, the EQ elevator, is your self-regard. Now we're going to park any perceptions you have about the board, any perceptions you have about how you are perceived by them and their behavior and how it impacts your point of view. The first floor is self-perception. How do you view yourself? And here, the most important tools are, again, self-regard. How do you view yourself in light of both your positive and less positive qualities? I don't like to say negative because every time, you know, meaning that we give to words is so important. Language shapes our perception. And often when we hear negative emotions, negative qualities, we feel as if something is wrong with us which should be the opposite. There's always polarity in life. There's always one opposite to the other. It's navigating between without feeling that there's something wrong with you. So in this case, you can ask yourself some uh, reflective questions. How do you view yourself in your current role? What are your underlying invisible or visible fears and stressors. And you can do this in a safe space or with someone you really trust, whether it's a colleague or friend or family, or by yourself when you're journaling. Because unless you uncover what you believe about yourself, then you're always going to subconsciously think other people think the same way about you as you do. It's a very subconscious thing we do. We judge other people often because we invisibly or subconsciously judge ourselves. So you can make a list of reflective questions from a place of curiosity, not judgment. Listen to understand yourself better, understand your thought process. So you can make more informed decisions and choose different response options. And you have to do this when you feel relaxed. When, especially in your line of work, you are probably facing a lot of stress, a lot of fighting fires. So you're constantly in a stress mode through different and different intensities. But it's difficult to reflect when you are reacting in your reacting mode. So we always need to find that balance. And you can ask your questions. It's like, how do I view myself capable in this role? What are my fears? What are my blind spots? What are my strengths? What do I love about it? What do I fear about it? And really dive deep into the root causes of your fears. Because once you uncover that, and let's say this is an example, an assumption, Victoria, or anyone who resonates, that perhaps your one of your invisible fear is, or assumption is that as a woman, you are by default not taken seriously when you're presented to the board. Now, this may be true or it may not be true. 
Probably it's true in most cases. In my case, whenever I had to present to senior members, the first impression was not being underestimated, not taken seriously. And then as soon as I opened my mouth, because I always put in the effort to prepare, that perception shifted. And I think we should not be so caught up on the first impression. We should prepare. And it's as if you go into a store and when you look outside, sometimes the store is amazing. On the outside, there is neon lights or there's a great decoration. And you think, wow, here I want to go in, whether it's a restaurant or a store, it's just very inviting. And once you're in, you have a terrible experience. Other times, the outside doesn't look as fancy or as inviting. But when you go in and you have your meal or you have the shopping experience, it's amazing. So never judge a book by its cover. And it is important to not be so caught up on how you are perceived at first. Obviously, we care about appearances. To say not to care what other people think is elusive. But we shouldn't let it define us or cause a lot of anxiety to a point that it affects our performance at work. So first is self-regard. Then the second tool in the first floor, so we're still in the first floor of the elevator, is emotional self-awareness. When this is cognitive behavioral, when we have thoughts, we feel certain emotions. So become aware of what kind of emotions you feel when you perhaps think about your confidence levels in handling the cyber risk, or perhaps your confidence levels in presenting to the board. What kind of emotions show up? And the more you identify them and label them, the lesser the stress response will be because you're not, your brain is feeling more safety than chaos. When we feel all these emotions and we are not calming ourselves down by articulating and identifying constructively, it has an impact on the stress levels we feel and we can come more from a place of clarity. So this is the first floor. Now we're going to go on the second floor, which is the floor of empathy in this case, the board of directors. And before you step into their map of the world, I also would like you, I invite you, less prescriptive, to write down the assumptions you make about the board. What is your bias about the board, specifically in your case? Do you feel that these are men that are there out there to get you because they don't believe you're fit for the position? Be brutally frank with yourself, right? Don't hold back. And you can do this by yourself, journaling, so it's a safe space. I wouldn't write it down on any technology or computer, just you never know where it may end up. <laughs> write it on a piece of paper. But it's important, the process of writing. Our brain is a processor, not a container. So process your thoughts and without judgment, become clear on what are your root thoughts, because these are the ones that ca can cause quite some stress if we are not aware of it. So we have to bring it to the surface. So what is your perception of the board? And another reason why this is important to do this example, if you already have a negative perception about certain board members or the entire board, 
And you're going to go in there with this mindset that you already from the start think that they don't appreciate your you as a professional and the work you do. They are out there to get you. How do you think you're going to feel? You're already setting up the entire briefing or presentation for failure. So try to apply empathy and reality testing in this case, fact checking, fact checking. I don't know what I just said. That's not even an isolable language anymore. <laughs> Write down your perceptions and then how do I know this? What specific example can I use to actually prove that this is the case? Maybe you will find this is the case. Sometimes you may find that it's not the case. So just become clear about it. Then try to put yourself in their shoes. Often we see the world as we are, not necessarily as it is. And our mood shapes our behavior. Our bias also shapes our behavior. Become more immersed in the world of the board of directors, specifically certain board members, those you feel most challenges, and try to see things from their perspective. You will learn a lot. Most of the time, eight times out of 10, it has nothing to do with you. It's just perhaps the way they speak. Perhaps they have different interests. Perhaps they are someone who asks a lot of questions in a way that comes across as interrogating. And often it's not personal. Sometimes it is personal. But unless you take this approach to put yourself in their map of the world, you won't be able to uncover this information. Now, the third floor is objective observer. This is a useful perspective because you're not bringing any stereotype bias from either side. So you can watch yourself on the screen and also notice your own nonverbal language behavior. How do you stand in the room when you present? How do you own yourself? How do you react when you get provocative questions? How are the other board members behaving, reacting? And these subtleties and dynamics can give you a lot of information to show up differently, perhaps, or try out something different. At least you'll have a better 360 degree view on all the missing elements that perhaps when we do our tunnel vision, especially when we feel stressed, when we feel negative emotions, when we feel challenged, it's difficult to see things from a broader helicopter view. And again, the EQ elevator is not there to justify any behavior. It's a tool to help you see clearly so you can take more informed decision based on a greater data set. And when we are in reacting mode because of the workload, the pressure and the stress, we don't have the time to do this and we also don't have the capacity to do this because when people feel stressed, we tend to gear towards our primitive behavior. And primitive looks different for different people. If you look at my 10-year-old son, his stress response and primitive behavior <laughs> is more dinosaur age at times. I hope he will not hold me accountable for me saying this when he later grows up. So that's the third floor. Now, you can also look at this from the fourth floor, which I also recommend, is the organizational impact. Often the board is concerned with profit margins, customer experience, especially when it comes to digital acceleration. How is the 
digital customer experience flowing, seamless, innovation, yesterday before today. They want things faster. The consumer experience, so important. Reputational brand, how is the institution perceived and rated when it comes to confidence and trust levels. Regulatory landscape, it's extremely complicated and it just gets complicated every day. So they have a lot of different parameters than what you are looking at. And what you are looking at forms the foundation in order to reduce these business risks in these other areas. But the problem is that when you communicate it from a security perspective, it often doesn't land in the map of the world of the board of directors in the way it should be. So this is where I always recommend my clients to develop a stakeholder engagement plan because it helps you become clear on the issues that you are addressing and you're seeking support for and you can position those issues from their map of the world. And you can have different engagement activities, whether it's you, your peers, or different means to get their support or to shift their position. And once you invest the time, because it takes some time to do this, and you may say, thank you very much, Nadia, but have you read up on the CISO's responsibilities? We don't have time for this. The more you avoid doing the reflective work part of it, the more reactive you will be, the higher stress levels you will experience, and the more depleted you will feel, and the more repeating discomfort you will feel whenever you present to the board. So I recommend or invite to take some time to develop a stakeholder engagement plan. On my website, thrivewitheq.com, in the blog section, I have an article that outlines how you can do this, also with empathy maps. I will also link it in the description below, so that can help you. And if you want, you can also look at it from the fifth floor, the fifth perspective, which is more macro environment, understanding the financial services industry. It's a critical infrastructure service as well. Cyber can be quite disruptive and even devastating for a small, medium enterprise. Don't use the fear, but use practical impact statements from their map of the world. How does the cyber risk profile of your bank impact the profit margin? How does it impact the customer experience? How does it impact the regulatory fine? Case studies that are similar to your industries have went wrong, so you can learn from those lessons and mitigate those risks to even reduce the residual risk. So when you do that, you can come with data, with examples, and then frame it in a way that resonates with them. And not only in the boardroom. In my time at NATO, most of the outcomes were already achieved before my boss went in there to present. This is where the influencing, the stakeholder engagement part comes in beforehand. Often decisions are never made in the meeting room. They are made beforehand, informal dinners, receptions, meetings, relationships. You want to build the trust and confidence as well. 
And sometimes you won't be the right person and it has nothing to do with gender. In general, people feel more comfortable with like-minded people, especially when we feel stressed, we want to feel less negative emotions and we resonate with different people. And it doesn't mean that this is exclusive behavior. I think we have to look at it from a practical view. I could play the discrimination card if I wanted, but sometimes I was not the right person to influence a certain stakeholder. My colleague was in much better positions because of the shared interest, because of the relationship they had. Use this to your advantage. This is why taking a step back and using the EQ elevator to go into more granularity and not stay on the surface is so important. Always remember your desired outcomes. What is it that you want? You want to go in there, be confident in yourself, regardless of how you are perceived, how the, the most important opinion first is the opinion you have about yourself, because that is the opinion you reflect outwards. And if you don't have a great opinion of yourself before you go into the board meeting, that will show. And then you can stand there confidently even when you're challenged, you can apply curiosity to answer in a way from a confident energy. More than 70% of communication is nonverbal. So these are the five views. And what I will give you as takeaway, Victoria, anyone who resonates, is the first part, get your self-regard and emotional awareness solid. Go deep into your own beliefs. Figure them out so you can reduce the invisible fear, reduce the invisible stressors, and be brutally honest with yourself. And then you come into any meeting with the much-needed clarity and confidence to own yourself. One great technique is borrowing behavior. It is, some people call it fake it until you make it. But basically the science behind it is if you act as someone else, or if you replicate their quality that you don't believe you have yet, because you haven't behaved in such a way, it won't bring in your own bias or your own insecurities. And that will show as well. And you can practice the behavior until it becomes second nature. So you're not pretending to be someone else, but you're borrowing your behavior, the emotional resource you need in that moment for that context to achieve your desired outcome. It is uncomfortable to learn new habits and behaviors. It's even more uncomfortable to unlearn. And this is where borrowing behaviors comes in. And the second key takeaway is stakeholder engagement and communication plan when it comes to board of directors. This will make such a huge difference in having a bird's eye view, a helicopter view on the key board members, their pain points, their desired outcomes, building relationships with them outside the boardroom as well, and understanding that you're not alone in this and you should have different communication and engagement champions as well to achieve your desired outcome. So I hope this has been useful, Victoria, or anyone who can resonate. You can learn more at thriveateq.com at the resources section on how to navigate these leadership challenges in STEM industry with emotional intelligence. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.